like, as of five seconds before I started recording this, we're going to have football in 2020. Uh, the NFL and the NFLPA, I guess, came to an agreement. Um, over specific amendments to the collective bargaining agreement, and it sounds like football is a go. That is awesome news for everybody. So, as is tradition, let's have a drink to that. Um, let me know what you're drinking um, on Twitter, from Fantasy Tap Room. Um, I am, what am I having? Strange Beast Hard Kombucha today. Um, ginger, lemon, and hibiscus flavor. If they have another flavor, I will check them out. This is pretty good, uh, pretty good stuff. Uh, from Chico, California. Certified organic even. Wow, very interesting. Lots of organic ingredients. Anyway, it's good. Um, don't know if you're on the hard kombucha train. Um, I enjoy it. It's a little different um, than what I would normally do, but uh, it's nice. It's refreshing. Tastes good. Um, super cool logo. It's like a ginger guy with a with an evil lemon head. Like, uh, what was that? Little Shop of Horrors? It looks like that. That's exactly what it looks like. Little Shop of Horrors guy on the front. Um, anyway, good shit. Check it out um, if you can find it. Uh, but anyway, let's talk football. We got this uh, episode. We're going to do the NFC East. Uh, last episode, we did the AFC East. Check that out um, if you have not yet. And we're going to break down uh, each team in the division um, with the fantasy-relevant players, at least the ones I think will be fantasy-relevant. Um, and let's get to it. Um, as of, let's, let's see, I broke this down in the order, um, that I feel like the teams are going to finish, uh, overall, not necessarily in fantasy points, but in the NFL. Um, I think in fantasy football, it's important to keep in mind, um, that those guys are not playing for fantasy points out there and that they are playing for, uh, victories and we can learn a lot from that. And, uh, we can also learn a lot about fantasy from just being fans of the sport, um, Obviously, stats are important. We need to consider stats. That's where we score points in fantasy. So clearly, statistics are something we need to pay attention to. Um, it's just that in the NFL, in the game of football, um, they're not nearly as reliable. And you can't take nearly as many, um, you know, you can't be sure in the NFL, especially year to year. So with that in mind, uh, let's take a look. Uh, at the NFC East. Um, so in order uh, of who I think is going to win the division, we've got the Cowboys, the Philadelphia Eagles, the New York Giants, and finally the Washington football team, which is their official name uh, as of the time of this recording. Um, they say it's a holdover, but honestly, I hope they keep it. I kind of like it uh, how it is. I know there's some uh, controversy in their name, which will probably start um, a waterfall of name changes in all of sports. Um, the Blackhawks will probably change their name. The Braves will probably change their name. The Indians will probably change their name. Uh, the Chiefs will probably have to change their name. Um, anyway, all of those guys, all those teams will end up with a different name. Uh, but none of those are football teams, so let's get back to football. So, Starting with the Cowboys, I think we're going to start with um, probably one of the safest and highest upside 
well, maybe not highest upside, but one of the safest, uh, well, we'll say combinations. He's a safe quarterback um, as well as having um, very top five upside uh, for fantasy is Dak Prescott. Um, doesn't really get much safer than him. You might have to pay for him in the draft is the only thing. Um, you'll probably have to grab him right after. Um, if you want him, I mean, you'll probably have to grab him after the elite guys go, after like Lamar Jackson and the Patrick Mahomes of the world are off the board. Um, you'll probably want to go ahead and, I don't know about reach, but you'll, you'll want to grab Dak Prescott fairly early for a quarterback. Um, I think he'll be worth it um, because I just don't see how he could not produce this season. Um, he's coming off his best season last year. Uh, 4,902 yards, 30 touchdowns, and he threw for, what, four passes shy, 600, 596 passes. That's a lot of passes. Um, he doesn't run much, but he does scramble enough where it might add a little bump of value um, during the season. But really, his main um, his main value comes from his arm and his his awesome warm-up routine with the hip thing before the game, which is hilarious every time. Um, so the reason, the main reason I think that he is so safe, um, and has such a good potential is I think the receivers in front of him, um, are kind of in the same boat. I mean, they, we got Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup and CeeDee Lamb are probably the starting receivers of this team. Um, Cooper proved a talent. He's been a proven talent in the NFL for a while now. Last year he had a great season, um, Michael Gallup played opposite him and played almost as well. Um, different style of receiver, but almost as well as Cooper. Um, even when they were both on the field, I think Gallup had 44 more snaps and even four more targets than Cooper did. So I think Michael Gallup is a super important player on this team to Dak Prescott's um, ability to produce. And then CeeDee Lamb is just a ruthlessly awesome draft pick um, by the Cowboys. And these three guys... Um, on the field in front of Dak Prescott. I, he's, in my opinion, um, one of these guys is probably going to be open on damn near every throwing play. It might not be the guy he wants. It, you know, There's going to be reads that have to happen, but um, he should be able to find one of these guys. They're all diverse. You got Cooper, who's kind of the go-up-and-get-it guy, big guy, um, jump ball guy, possession guy. You got Michael Gallup, who could do a little bit of everything. He's fast. He's got great hands, um, creative route runner, um, interesting interesting guy to watch play. He's one of those guys you love to root for. Um, he seems like he's really important to the team and um, just, just an interesting receiver in fantasy as well. We'll get to him a little bit later, but adding CeeDee Lamb is a big deal for Dak Prescott. Um, that sort of rounds it out and gives – I mean, CeeDee Lamb is potential total stud in the NFL. Um, long, deep threat, super fast guy, great hands, um, good athlete. So he's basically, these receivers give Dak Prescott options all over the field. Um, so as long as the offensive coordinator and the play calling line up with what these guys' strengths are, I think he's pretty much going to have an open receiver. It's going to be one of those guys. Um, and on top of that, I think the tight end, that took over, um, Blake Jarwin. The guy is, I think, good enough to pretty much replace Witten and maybe give a little bit more production as well. Um, we'll talk about him a little bit later too, but as far as Dak Prescott goes, um, this is these are four what seem to be legit 
um, plus targets for him to throw the ball to, um, which only you know, which just screams the guy's he's safe. It's a say he's a safe, a safe high level pick, which I don't know if anybody outside of. Uh, Mahomes, you could really say that about, to be honest with you, in the top five guys. I mean, you want to include guys like Deshaun Watson there, Lamar Jackson, obviously, but if Jackson doesn't have the rushing um, that he had last season, you're going to see significant dip in production from him. I don't think there's any reason to think he'll be that much less. I think he's going to be awesome this year again, too, but, um, you know, there's reason. He's a little bit, I think he's more risky than Dak Prescott. I also think Deshaun Watson, I know a lot of people are talking him up. I've seen a lot about him. People seem to love Deshaun Watson this year, and I completely understand the guy is, is awesome. Um, but I don't know about the receivers in front of him, to be honest with you. I know he's supposed to have this great receiving year, this great throwing year, but I just don't – I just – I don't – I think the loss um, of DeAndre Hopkins is a much bigger deal than people are giving – that situation credit for but anyway um, I think Dak Prescott is safer than those guys and he's going after them so in a draft I would shoot for Dak Prescott he's going to be a quarterback I try to get in a redraft league I probably can't get him in my keeper league I bet somebody will keep him but um, he's awesome if you can get him after the first few guys I would you know for example in a draft if you can go running back running back running back receiver whatever you want to do um, he'll be there probably in the fifth round, like near the end of the fifth round, he, that's a great time to scoop him up because he'll probably be hands down the best, the safest quarterback on the board with the highest potential for production. So I guess what I mean by that is he's like a safe bet to finish in the top five, whereas I think guys even going above him or guys expected to finish better than him, I think they even have more question marks than he does. Um, so I really think Dak Prescott, is he's a, almost 100% going to be QB1. Um and I think he's he's a strong pick for a quarterback for your team. Um, if you want to go ahead and focus on other aspects and then grab him, I think you're going to be in really, really, really good shape. Um, the other thing I'm going to quickly mention about, I kind of do it, break down my, uh, my point system uh, by position. Um, overall. So if you go to my website, fantasytaproom.com, I, I do, I'll do a write-up of every single team uh, before the season starts. And I kind of take it by position by position as far as like how many points that position will produce in fantasy um, or be good for in fantasy, meaning, uh, well, I'll use this as an example. It'll just, it'll explain it. So Andy Dalton is the backup for the Cowboys, which I think he's probably one of the strongest backups in the league, if not the best backup in the league. Um, not that he's ever going to start over Prescott as long as Dak is healthy, but if Dalton ever does come into the game, um, I don't see a dip in production for any of the receivers that are that much of a dip, and there might be some. Um, well, there will be some. He's not as accurate as Prescott, but Dalton's good enough to carry this team forward, and you, you really don't have to worry about um, the rest of the team sort of suffering. There might be you know, a guy like Jarwin might, might drop in production, a guy like CeeDee Lamb might drop in production, but for the most part, the team will just keep on trucking if Dalton comes in uh, to play quarterback. Um, and Dalton is, I wouldn't say you want to carry him um, on your team if you don't have a quarter, if you don't need to, but do keep in mind this is a weird season. I mean, we're going to have, uh, we're going to have football, but who knows what's going to happen with the virus. I hate talking about this kind of thing during football stuff, but I think it's important to remember this, in, especially in, in fantasy. If you're going to um, 
I mean, the topic of handcuffs come up. I know that's weird to talk about handcuffing a quarterback, but I think he would be a strong choice to back up your quarterback with would be Andy Dalton. Um, If Dak has to sit for any reason or he gets taken out of the game for any reason or misses any kind of time, Dalton, I think, will step in there and play pretty well. I think he's capable of playing well enough to keep the rest of the team points up and he'll produce um, probably like he was doing in Cincinnati. I don't really see him falling off that much. He's not that old. Um, not that he was ever awesome in Cincinnati, but he's good enough. I mean, he's always, you can always grab him off waivers and throw him in the starting lineup if you need to. Um, and I think he's going to be that guy still. Um, so don't shy away from Andy Dalton too much. And if you're in a deeper league or if your league is doing something like giving you extra bench spots because of the situation that we're in right now with the virus and no one knows what's going to happen with uh, the NFL, I think Andy Dalton is a, is a really good, uh, backup plan, um, especially if you grab Dak Prescott. Um, The other main thing I want to talk about, especially the quarterback situation for Dallas, is their offensive line um, is probably going to be elite yet again. They almost always have a top flight offensive line, and I think they're going to have another. It's going to be like that again this year. Uh, Pro Football Focus has them ranked number three right now. Um, It's pretty damn good. So they're expected to come out and be awesome again which will only benefit Prescott, it will only benefit Elliott, and it will only benefit the receivers um, so long as Prescott has time to make decisions. Um, So all of that is to basically a long-winded way of saying the entire quarterback position for Dallas is going to be a high, is going to be a good source of fantasy points, I think, especially Dak Prescott. So you'll want to grab him. I think it's a very wise decision to grab him, even if it's a little bit earlier than you'd feel comfortable taking a quarterback. Um, I think he's got legit... um, talent and opportunity and a good team around him and i just can't really see him finishing outside the top five maybe top six of quarterbacks um this season with everything he's got going on um so moving on to the next position wide receiver for dallas um, we mentioned these guys before mari cooper michael gallup and cd lamb those are going to be the main guys to pay attention to um amari cooper will probably be the top guy he'll get hmm, probably i can see him finishing um similar to last season you know, somewhere around 1,100 yards, somewhere around eight touchdowns, probably 120 targets-ish. Um, he does have laps in judgment. You can see it. Every once in a while, he just throws up a dud that just seems to be something going on um, with him. I don't know what it is. He was much – I will say this. He was much, much better in Dallas than he was in Oakland. You know, he has been ever since he came here. So maybe it has something to do with uh, with the quarterback play there. Maybe he just likes Dallas better. Maybe they've given him more of a chance. Whatever it is, but he's a, he's a safe choice, um, Amari Cooper. I just wouldn't say he's a legit wide receiver one. I know that might not be um, super popular, but I think he's probably – I would put him in the camp of like the best wide receiver two you can get for your team. Um, I just wouldn't build my receivers around him. I, he wouldn't be my first choice at receiver. Um, I don't know where he's going. I don't know what his ADP is as of right now. I'll have to check that, but um, – if you can get him as your second guy, that's awesome. You're going to be stoked on having Amari Cooper as your second guy. He's going to definitely lead in targets probably, but I don't think it's going to be a whole lot. It's probably around 120 um, like last year. It's probably similar to last year. Um, he's going to have huge games. He always does. He always has games where he, you know, 170 yards, two touchdowns. He goes crazy every once in a while. Um, he's definitely a guy you want on your team, just not somebody you want to build around. Um Back to Michael Gallup, we talked about him a little bit already. Um, He kind of had a breakout year. 
in 2019. Uh, looks like he had a, a 1,107 yards on only 66 catches. So that's pretty awesome for him. Um, I think he was kind of acting as the deep threat for the team, which this is kind of an interesting situation because I think CeeDee Lamb's going to take that role from him, um, or at least they're going to let him try because that's kind of what CeeDee Lamb is good at. So he's I can see Michael Gallup. I don't think he's going anywhere as far as his fantasy value. I think it'll be right around there as well. He's kind of um, Amari Cooper's 1B to 1A um, is a popular way of saying it. Um, in the 13 games that they ended up playing together, Gallup actually played 44 more snaps, like I said before, and had four more targets than Amari Cooper did. That's not to say um, that he's a better talent than Amari Cooper, but he's probably on the level, um, and he's not built like Cooper, so he's not going to probably have those huge games like Cooper did, but he's definitely probably, if you can get him as your third guy, uh, if you can get him as your flex, you're going to be stoked. But if you can get him as your third receiver, I would definitely take him. C.D. Lamb is a bit more risky. Um, I want to put a risky tag on pretty much all of the rookies coming into this season because basically they're not going to have the kind of camp or time with the team that they would have had otherwise due to the circumstances that we're all finding ourselves in. So um, they're going to have to adjust during the season, which is interesting. Um, it's going to be a lot more difficult for them to get used to playing in the NFL and get used to learning the playbook. But all that being said, I think CeeDee Lamb is probably – it's safe to say he's he's officially a big part of this team um, already, and I think he may end up being the second highest targeted wide receiver depending on how their uh, game plan um, – their game plan fleshes out. I'm interested to see what's going to happen between him and Gallup. I think Gallup is a little bit more seasoned. He's a little bit more versatile. Um, but Lamb, what Lamb is good at, he's really good at. So um, he's super fast. He's got great hands. Um, his route running is a bit raw. He's kind of a he's a little bit of raw of a talent, but he's an awesome athlete. And if they're just going to have him run go routes all season, he probably will have like a Will Fuller type season. Um, but I think he's better than that. I think he's more well-rounded than that. So who knows exactly? It's obviously we're just trying to predict here. Who knows exactly what's going to happen? But that's how I can see his season sort of shaping up. Um, and then real quick, I want to mention Blake Jarwin. I think if he ends up with a similar amount of uh, targets that Witten had last season, um, he probably will uh, be valuable. I don't know if he's going to get 83 targets because, again, I think Lamb – is throwing a little bit of a wrench into our ability to like decipher who's going to end up with the most targets on the well, not the most targets, but who's going to end up um, the valuable guys on this team because there's so many good guys on this team that um, Jarwin is um, he's almost he's for sure going to be the starter probably at least in the beginning of the season. Um, he's kind of a gamble. Like if you're one of those types of players that likes to wait till the very, very end of your draft to get your tight end, cause you can kind of replace them as the season goes through. depends on your leagues. I even play in one league where there's two tight ends. So they go a little bit earlier. Um, it's kind of difficult, but it does add an interesting element to it. Like you definitely want those breakout tight ends or you definitely want a tight end that produces basically anything, um, for your roster. And I think he's one of those guys. I don't like the term tight end too, but I think he, um, He's probably that guy. I mean, he's he's probably going to have some good games. And if he gets 83 targets or somewhere in that vicinity, he has a back-end chance of playing better than that. Um, so keep your eye on him. I don't necessarily – I wouldn't necessarily draft him unless you're really, really short at tight end towards the end of your draft. You can go ahead and grab him. But um, 
Otherwise, you can let him go and just keep your eye on him. And if he starts to produce, grab him up pretty quickly because he's it's going to be a good sign that he's a part of the team. Um, the running game in Dallas, again, I'm going to top Dallas up quite a bit here. I think they're one of the best well-rounded teams coming into 2020 for the NFL. I think they're um, – I just think they have talent at basically every position. I think they got the. I think they have the offensive line to hold up, and I think um, they're going to kill it. And all that being said, I think uh, Ezekiel Elliott is one of the best running backs you can choose in all of fantasy. Um, I know there's reports that he had the Rona in the off season, which restricted him from working out, which is unfortunate. Um, I hope he's okay. Obviously, we all hope he's okay. Seems like he is, but I don't know how much of a workout he missed. You know, I don't. I wouldn't. I'm not too worried about it. I'm really not. I think he is a beast. I think he'll be a professional. I think he'll be ready for the season. And I don't think, um, I don't think that's gonna really set him back. Um, so long as everything's fine, I hope everything's fine with him and um, everything's good to go. But I don't think you have anything to. I don't think people have anything to worry about. I think you should drop like drop him in your listing. Or um, he's definitely first rounder, hundred percent first rounder. Um, he's. I'm gonna read my blurb from him from my web from uh, fantasytaproom.com. Um, he's basically everything you can want in RB one for your team. Power runner with wiggle, alpha ball carrier, big and strong enough to handle a crap load of touches. One of the best offensive lines in the league and plays an important role in the passing game as well. Uh, you have to pay a premium price for him, but he will be worth it so long as they let him take the field. Um, you can probably count on him for anywhere from 300 to 350 touches, somewhere in that range. I know that's a big range, but like I said, stats are hard to predict. In football especially, um, I think he had 350 close to that last season. Uh, 42 catches, I believe, in 301 um, rushes. Yeah, so 343 uh, total touches. He's definitely a 2,000-yard candidate. Um, overall, not rushing. Maybe rushing, but overall, he's probably he's, – he's a candidate to produce a 2,000-yard season. Um from the backfield, and he's probably going to have double-digit touchdowns combined, rushing and receiving. Um, he's going to kill it. He always kills it. He's going to kill it again. He's only 25, and I don't think you have anything to worry about as far uh, as, far as him being your RB1. Um, his handcuff, I'm going to talk handcuffs a little bit this episode because um, I've been thinking about it, and I think it's going to be an important um, aspect of fantasy that I typically overlook every season, but I think this year it's not, it's going to be different because who knows? I know a lot of people are changing their leagues up, so you're going to have time to make extra decisions or carry extra guys or um, basically have bigger rosters than you normally would. Um, and I think especially handcuffing a guy like Ezekiel Elliott is a great idea. And Tony Pollard is his backup in, um, in Dallas. And I think that, uh, if he ends up with the role or if he ends up playing because Zeke's out for any reason, he's going to kill it. He looked good last season, good enough to pretty much play um, as the RB1 for the team. Um, I don't know if he'll get those kind of numbers, especially if you put him in there, but there's definitely potential for it um, if he becomes the guy in Dallas. So as far as a handcuff goes, he's one of the better guys you can handcuff with. In fact, even if you don't have Zeke, you might want to consider adding him if you do have those extra bench spots for your for your roster coming up this year. Um, he's he's going to be he's going to be valuable if anything happens to Zeke. Um, so you'll probably want to jump on that. And I would I'm considering stashing him um, towards the end of the draft. You can grab him, and it might end up paying off towards the season. I mean, it's kind of a bet, but that's what we do in fantasy. We make bets basically. Um, 
All right, and that's well. I'll, I'll round that off by saying this is that basically is why I think the Dallas Cowboys are going to win the division, and I think they're going to be a serious contender for the Super Bowl this year. Um, the way they built their team, it's like it. Even if somebody goes down, it's like they can just keep going. Um, they may not be as strong as with all the starters, but they have so much talent in at quarterback and running back and the offensive line and at wide receiver that this offense is just going to be a huge. Uh, source of fantasy points all season, and you're going to want a part of that. So grab any of those guys where you can. Um, next, we're looking at the Eagles, the Philadelphia Eagles. Um, Carson Wentz, we're going to start with him. Um, the guy is just an awesome real-life quarterback, I think. Um, but he never really gets brought up in fantasy too much because he's just so consistent. He's not super flashy, but he um, he's super consistent. I think he's finished in the top 10 twice depending on your league, of course. Um, and he, last year, uh, he ranked fifth in pass attempts with 607 and seventh in rush attempts with 62 um, of quarterbacks. And for a quarterback, that's awesome. If you finish in both the top 10 in passing and rushing, that's that's a great combination. He's not a super dynamic runner, but he will run enough to add a little bit of value uh, to your team, you know, he it'll add just enough to where you'll probably notice it, but not enough to where it's going to separate him from the pack. Um, but 60 rush attempts for a quarterback is pretty awesome. You can expect a few every game. Um, and I think he scored a couple of touchdowns last year as well with his legs. So he's more um, dynamic than I think he gets credit for in fantasy. Um, and he also, if we're going to talk about last season with him and why I think he's such a great real life quarterback and why he's able to put up numbers consistently, even though they might not be huge numbers. Um, the pass catchers for his team, the, the Eagles last season, had 24 drops, which is the third most in the league last year. And they only had, they averaged, I think, 4.8 yards after the catch, which is pretty lame for him. Um, that means they were dropping the ball a lot and they were not doing a whole lot with it after they caught it. So basically, I look at it, I say that he scored his own points last season because a lot of times, like in a case like, for example, Ryan Tannehill's the exact opposite right? He didn't really do anything super impressive, but his receivers, particularly AJ Brown kind of made him, his numbers look a lot better than they probably would have otherwise had it been a different group of guys um, or things hadn't, a, you know, the yards after catch wasn't uh, necessarily there for him. But the fact that Carson Wentz finished where he did last season and he was dealing with all of that um, is impressive for him. Um, which is why I think he's such a good quarterback. Um, he is, this season, it looks like this is a weird group in front of him. Um, and and I think looking at their depth chart and looking at who they brought in to change their coaches, uh, they made a lot of coaching changes for the offense. I can see the guys from this team that you're going to want, the fantasy relevant guys. I'm going to leave a couple names off this list, but we'll get to them. Um, Wentz, obviously, we just talked about. Miles Sanders. Probably is going to be awesome. Uh, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard, they um, are going to be probably super valuable on this team. I think Ertz has a legit chance to lead the team in targets um, and maybe touchdowns. And then Jalen Rager um, is one of my favorite rookies this season. Um, I think he comes in as the best receiver on this team um, as far as the starters go. The other two guys are Alshon Jeffrey and Deshaun Jackson, who – after, you know, Deshaun Jackson's uh, little Instagram uh, faux pas, who knows what's going to happen to him. They say they punished him already, I th think. I'm not 
advocating that they, well, let's avoid that topic. Um, but anyway, he, I think he's outside of all of that crap off the field. I think he's, uh, I don't, I think he's, I don't think he's done in the NFL, but I don't think he's going to be a killer as we know him to be. I think he's 33 this season. Um, he had a significant injury last year and I think that he, I personally, I think they, they brought in Rager to take the role they were planning on giving Jackson last season. Cause I think Rager fits the bill perfectly for what they were looking for. Um, kind of that deep threat, fast guy, um, who Wentz can, you know, launch the ball out to, um, who can make stuff happen short range and turn it into a long gain. Um, Rager is probably one of the fastest, uh, prospects in the draft this season. And if you want, if you look at Deshaun Jackson's numbers from last year, before he got hurt the first week, he put up 154 yards and two touchdowns. And I think that's the vision, um, that the coaching staff has in Philadelphia for Jalen Rager, not necessarily saying he's going to hit that right away. Um, we've talked about the difficult, um, you know, beginning of the season, the difficult offseason for the rookies, especially. Uh, but I do think that's the type of player they envision Jalen Rager to be. And I think they're going to give him a chance to do that. Um, out of all the other, they, they drafted two other super fast guys um, in, uh, what are they? I can't remember his first name. Quez Watkins is one of them. John Hightower, that's the first name. John Hightower and Quez Watkins are also speed guys, uh, but they're not nearly as accomplished as Rager. And I think Jalen Rager, as it stands right now, I think he's probably the best bet to be the, the top wide receiver on the team. That's not to say he's going to lead the team in targets. I think Zach Ertz will probably take that role. I also think Dallas Goddard is going to play a huge role this season. Um, I think they finished – they both finished in the top 10 last season in fantasy points, Goddard and Ertz, which is insane that two tight ends on the same team finished in the top 10. Um, that's absolutely wild. They're both coming back, and Ertz is getting up there in age, and I think Goddard is ready to absolutely be the top guy in Philadelphia. And if anything happens to Ertz, you're going to want Dallas Goddard on your team. Um I think he's ready to blow up, and I can easily imagine a situation where the pass catchers on this team are Ertz, Rager, and Goddard. Um, Alshon Jeffrey, love the guy. Um, I like him as a player. I think he's got an interesting talent set. I think his hands are some of the best in the NFL, um, but he's hurt all the time. You can bank on him missing significant amounts of time. He's 30 years old, which is not old for a receiver, but he's just – you don't want to – rely on a guy like Al, Alshon Jeffrey anymore. Um, his years with the Bears were awesome. With Brandon Marshall on the opposite side, taking looks away from him were awesome. But the guy gets hurt too often, and he just doesn't look like – I mean, when I watch him play, personally, I don't feel like he, he looks like he wants to be out there. He doesn't look like he wants to be out there, which is a bummer to watch. And I don't, I don't want that on my fantasy team. Um, and I don't think he – I don't know if he doesn't like the team or if he's just kind of over it or well, what his issue is, but – He's never seems to be in a rush back from injury, and he's he's. Uh, I love watching him play. He's got a killer highlight reel, but man, I he's. I don't think he's. I think he's kind of wide receiver one by name only. I think Jalen Rager is going to come in and immediately be the best guy, the best wide receiver on this team, um, as far as fantasy points go. So you can get Jalen Rager super late, and 
I don't know how valuable the top wide receiver in Philadelphia is going to be just because I think Sanders, Ertz, and even Goddard might end the season probably a little bit more valuable. But I do think Jalen Rager will end up being the wide receiver one for the for the Eagles by the end of the year. Um, he presents a he's got a skill set that nobody else on the team has. Um, he's got speed that nobody on the team has, and I think I think they drafted him. I mean, everybody gets drafted for a reason. Obviously, that's a dumb thing to say, but I think that Jalen Rager is is going to surprise. Um, is really going to surprise. He's my he's my rookie pick for breakout. Um, for this season. And then the other guy I mentioned real quick was Miles Sanders, who, man, based on what he looked like last season, like his play last season, and the fact that there is like essentially nobody behind him that we know much about um, is crazy to me. And I think he, I wouldn't draft him in the first round. A lot of people are drafting him in the first round, which I think is kind of crazy because I think he's the most unknown of all the guys who are expected to finish as an RB1, I think it's really difficult for us to say that because we don't have a whole lot going off of him. Um, But the situation is such where it does seem like he's got that kind of potential. Um, The offensive line, again, is going to be great. It looks like the the pass game is going to be improved. Um, So that'll take a little effort. That'll take a little bit of the pressure off of him. And then Sanders himself is a dual threat guy. We saw him last season. He can run. He can catch. He can kind of do it all. Um, and I think they're going to lean on him. I don't really see much of anybody else behind him um, that I think is going to pose a threat to his stats. Um, Boston Scott is back there. I think he might be the closest, but I mean, he's like um, he's Darren Sproul sized which I don't see, um, you know, as a threat to take most, to take a whole lot of uh, carries away from Sanders. And then Corey Clement looked pretty, he had moments where he looked good, you know, but I don't, there's probably a reason why he's not the starter. Uh, There's probably a reason why Miles Sanders took over as the starter um, last season. Um, so he's a safe bet as far as a guy who's going to get a lot of work, but what is he going to do with that work? It's kind of hard to tell because we don't really know what the offense is going to look like for this team. Um, he's a decent bet as an RB one, but you're probably going to have to pay first or second round price for him. And I think that's a little bit too much for him. I think he definitely has the potential to finish there, but I think you're drafting him at his absolute ceiling. Um, which is, I don't like to build a team that way. Maybe there's some more gamblers out there. Um, if you're, if you're going to draft solely on um, uh, opportunity, he's a good choice because uh, he seems like he has the talent to turn that opportunity into real production. Um, but it's just like, again, we haven't seen him do it completely, and we don't know what they're going to look like. They might bring somebody in before the season starts. Who knows? Um, so careful with him. I wouldn't draft him in the first round. A lot of people are going to do it, so I'm going to miss out on him in probably all my leagues. But um, – He's definitely somebody, if you get to like the end of the second, or even the, I don't think I'll make it that far, but if you get to the third and he's there, definitely, definitely grab him. I think he's, he's valuable. He's, he's going to be, um, he's going to produce a lot. Um, it's just hard to say, you know, exactly what that's going to be because again, he hasn't done it yet. Um, so moving on to the New York Giants, um, Daniel Jones, we're going to start with the quarterback again. Um, it's got potential for a great season. Uh, I think that he 
probably could finish top 12, top 10 if things go super well for him. Um, the reason I think that is he's got a pretty quality group of pass catchers on the team. They're not quite as intimidating as Dallas, um, but probably better than Philadelphia as far as overall talent goes. Um, he's got Golden Tate, Sterling Shepard, Darius Slade, and Evan Ingram probably catching passes from him mostly. Um, and that's a good choice. I mean, one of those guys will probably be open. Um, Tate, I don't think, is you know super um, dangerous anymore. Sterling Shepard looks to be pretty talented, but again, he's hurt a lot, and it doesn't. I don't know if he's going to separate himself from the pack too much. Darius Slayton is the guy I'm most interested in, to be honest with you. Uh, we'll talk about him a little bit. And Evan Ingram, we all know Evan Ingram is a super stud, but you know. Can he stay on the field is the big question. Can he give you a full season of production? Who knows? Um, and then he also, Daniel Jones has Saquon Barkley going for him, um, who, in my opinion, is in the running for best RB in the league with Christian McCaffrey. Um, the guy's just an absolute beast, and it just makes – he's such a dynamic player that the defense has no choice but to just assume they're going to give the ball to him every fucking time, which is going to give Daniel Jones a lot of times to – make decisions, right? It's going to give him a lot of time to um, change the play up and they're going to be able to do a lot just simply because Barkley's on the field and it can only benefit Jones. Um, Their offensive line is questionable, uh, which is why I have them this third. uh, or One of the reasons I have them third, they were not great last season. I don't really think they're going to be great this season. Um, Maybe a little better, but I don't really think so. I think Daniel Jones is going to be running for his life back there. The difference between him and Eli is that Daniel Jones could run. Um, so that's exciting for him. Um, if he improves even a little bit from last season, he can definitely finish in the top 12. I don't see him finishing outside the top 15 just because he's got a pretty solid situation here. Um, last season, he ended with 3,027 yards and 24 touchdowns uh, through the air on only 459 throws. So, not a lot of throws um, in comparison to some of these other guys. If he can up that um, and play all season, I think he's going to have a good year. Um, he also ran for 279 yards and two touchdowns on 45 carries. So it's kind of like Carson Wentz-ish in that, uh, in that vein. He can um, kind of do a little bit of both. Probably not going to blow you away with his running, but it, it, he runs enough to where it does help his fantasy value. And it might bump him you know, from outside the 15 to – you know, in the 15, uh, the top 15, or maybe right outside the top 12 into the top 12. So he's, a, he's if you're going to wait on quarterback, um, you can get him fairly late, I think, right now. If you're going to wait on quarterback, he's pretty safe. If you're a guy that just likes to get a safe quarterback, um, he's a, he's one of the safer ones you can grab. I will say it's his sophomore year, so take that into account. That's always interesting to see what happens to rookies after their first year. I mean, he could be... You know, he could turn out to have a great year or he could be Baker Mayfield and he can crash and burn. Right. We don't really know. It's hard to tell. Uh, But as of right now, he's looking pretty, pretty solid uh, for a late choice that if you just want a guy who's going to give you 20 fantasy points um, per week at quarterback, he's a good choice for that. Um, And then Evan Ingram, again, like the Eagles, I think Ingram has a great chance to lead the Giants um, in targets. I think that he... um, is one of the most talented pass catchers on the team. He's definitely, he's probably the most athletic pass catcher on the team. The guy is just an absolute stud. Um, But 
That being said, even though I hate the tag injury prone, if I had to put it on any player, it'd be this guy. Um, he, unfortunately, this is just killing him fantasy wise. Um, he'll have to, if you're going to draft him as your tight end, you're going, it's a, it's a gambler's, it's a bet. It's a gambler's tight end, right? If you're a gambling man, by all means, grab Evan Ingram. If he stays healthy all season, I think I figured out he was on track for 130 targets, both last, his last two seasons. But of course that fell apart because he's hurt all the time. So he wasn't able to get there. But if he's healthy, if he is really on track for that, that's a lot of targets for a tight end. And he is good enough to do a lot with that. Um, so if it's a big if, but if he does stay healthy, you got a top five tight end, possibly top three tight end, depending on what this team's able to do. Um, but that's a huge if. I mean, he's probably going to end up hurt. He's probably going to end up missing significant amounts of time. You're probably going to need a second tight end, um, which is a bummer. So he's that's where I'm at on Evan Ingram. Um, I love the guy. I love him as a player. But in fantasy, he's a little risky. Um, the receivers, on the other hand, for fantasy purposes, are hard to figure out. I think the sum of their parts make Daniel Jones more appealing than any one of these guys is individually um, for their top three guys. Golden Tate has been around for a long time. Um, I think he's one of those guys that's going to end up being super important in real life for his team. Uh, but I don't think you're going to necessarily be running out and grabbing him in fantasy. Um, he has been around for a while. He's not really elite in any one category. He's just kind of an overall all around like quality receiver, uh, which is great for a guy like Daniel Jones. Like it bumps Daniel Jones value, but I don't think Golden Tate is someone you have to rush out and add to your team. Um, you could probably ignore him all season. I mean, he'll be there on waivers most likely if you need a receiver last minute. Um, and he'll have some good games, but I don't think the focus is going to be on him unless something else happens to the other two guys. I think Sterling Shepard um, is the next guy that I'm going to talk about, and I think he has potential to be the wide receiver one on this team, the official wide receiver one. But I Honestly, watching Darius Slayton play last year, I don't know if Sterling Shepard is all that much more talented than Slayton. Um, I think they're similar size guys. And, you know, kind of like Ingram, Shepard is hurt quite a bit. Um, not as bad, but he – he we've seen flashes from Sterling Shepard that are like, wow, this guy should be their guy, right? But then it kind of never continues. Like it just sort of fades over the course of the season. And no one's ever super excited about Sterling Shepard at the beginning of any year. It's kind of how I feel about him right now. Um, he seems like the most talented guy out there for the receivers, but I don't know if he's ever really proved that he is. Um, so he's kind of difficult. I can see him wide receiver three. He'd be a great wide receiver three for your team. Your third guy, your bench guy that you can you know make decisions on whether or not he's going to play that week. He's a great guy for that. Um, I wouldn't trust him as wide receiver two, but you could. I could definitely see him there. Um, kind of put him in like a mid or lower range wide receiver two um, with potential to be a strong one. That's probably where he lives this season. Um, but the guy that I'm most interested in from the Giants as far as receivers go is Darius Slayton. Um, I know eight touchdowns in 14 games is a little bit ridiculous probably for him. I don't think he's going to repeat that. Um, but he does seem to be the downfield threat. Um Danny Dimes is going to be looking for him. Um, and he put up 740 yards as well in 14 games. So 
that's a pretty impressive rookie year. Um, had we not had so many other impressive rookies, I think Darius Slayton will be talking. We'd be talking about Darius Slayton a lot more, but with guys like Metcalf and guys like uh, Terry McLaurin, um, I think he got a little bit overlooked because the other guys were so good. Um, but anyway, I think Darius Slayton is in for a big role, and I do think there's an outside chance he moves from being their deep threat to being their legit wide receiver one. Um, if I can see Golden Tate or Shepard even in the slot and Slayton just out there killing it, um, there's a definite world in which that exists. So I think you can get Slayton pretty late too. He probably not as late as you want, but um, of any of the the wide receivers on the Giants, he's he's the only one I'll be having on any of my teams probably this season. Um, I definitely you want to give him a chance. Um, you want to see what he can do. I mean, I think their sophomore year is a big a big year if he can reproduce this. He's going to be worth it in a keeper league. He's going to be worth it in a dynasty league because it's probably only going to go up from there. Um, I can see Daniel Jones being good enough, his arm supporting. Um, you got to remember Barkley's probably going to get a crap load of passes thrown his way. I think he got 120-some targets in his first season. I think he had 73 last season, but he got hurt. Um, and then Ingram, of course, if he play, I'm, I'm guessing, I'm not guessing he's going to do this, but I'm just going to go off the assumption that he's going to play all season. Probably a bad assumption, but... As long as he's on the field, he's going to get targets. So outside of those two, I think uh, Jones can produce probably one more fantasy-relevant receiver. Um, and I think Slayton's going to be the guy. Um, that's going to be above, you know, that stands out that you want on your team. Um, and then the running game, I already talked about him a little bit, but Saquon Barkley, just an absolute beast. I don't know how much there is to say about him. He's a 2,000-yard uh, combined candidate again. Um, he's almost assuredly going to score double-digit touchdowns so long as he stays healthy. My favorite thing about him, um, similar to the Christian McCaffrey, he is versatile. So whatever happens, he'll be out there. Whether the Giants are down by 20 points or whether they're up by 20 points, he will be on the field and probably touching the ball. Um, their offense revolves around him. It probably should revolve around him. He's a guy, I don't know if, I, man, I don't know. It's hard for me, honestly, to take him over McCaffrey, but I might do it. I might do it. Watching them play, I might do it. I might take Saquon over McCaffrey, um, especially this year. I think he's. I think their passing game is good enough to where he's going to have a little more room than he had last season. Um, and we'll see what he can do. I, if he can stay healthy, I think he's just going to absolutely blow it away. I mean, he probably, he's got, he's got, he's a definitely potential candidate for RB1 in all fantasy, right? So you want him, I'm, this is, sounds dumb, but you want him anywhere you can get him. If you can draft him, draft him. You definitely want him on your league or on your team um, in basically every single league that you are a part of. He's the star. Um, other guys there, other running backs, Wayne Gallman and Deion Lewis will probably find some sort of fantasy relevance during the season. Um, we were talking handcuffs before. I don't know if Gallman is a worthwhile handcuff. Um, Deion Lewis... I don't know if he is either, to be honest with you. I think if a Barkley breaks down um, or something happens to him, I don't know if I would really worry about either one of these guys running out and grabbing one of these guys for my team. Um, Deion Lewis is kind of a role player. He's like more of a cast, a patch, pass catching back. Uh, Gallman is like the exact opposite, but he's just not um, even remotely as exciting as Saquon. Though he can handle the ball. He can probably handle a bunch of touches, so it'll probably turn into they'll split the work between those two guys if – 
Barkley goes down. So it won't be super great, but this would be one of those moments where if you had Tony Pollard on your bench, well, I guess you'd have something happen to Zeke, but obviously got running backs get hurt all the time. So you want guys, you, you want uh, handcuffs, whether or not they're on the same team, you want the best handcuffs you can get because there's a decent chance they're going to be starting this season. Um, all right. On to the Washington football team. I really hope they keep that name. I like how that sounds. It sounds so dumb, but I enjoy saying it. Mm. Quite a bit. Um, okay. Quarterback situation for the Washington football team. Uh, Dwayne Haskins. Yeesh. I would not consider drafting him at all in any league. Um, unless you're in like a three quarterback league um, with a bunch of bench spots, uh, you can safely leave him uh, to waivers. But that being said, I don't want to sound like I'm shitting on it too hard. Um, the guy, um, his, I guess he only played in seven games and he was kind of just thrust out there and they had nobody around him and it was a bad situation all around for him. Um, so I don't necessarily think it's all his fault last season, what his numbers ended up looking like. Um but he was drafted sort of as a, a work in progress. Um, he had one really good college season, It was and it was really good. Um, he threw a lot of touchdowns, and he's came in, and everybody said he had a big, strong arm and great accuracy. So if that does translate, um, it'll probably – my take on him is if he does end up turning into a quality NFL starter, it's going to take a couple of years just because of his skill set and adjusting to the game and who he's surrounded with in – Washington. Um, it's not like he's got, you know, Saquon Barkley behind him. It's not like he's got a big, you know, he's not got a bunch of receivers. Terry McLaurin is awesome. Don't get me wrong. I love Terry McLaurin, but he's going to need more. A rookie would need more than that in order to raise him up. So I think there's more of a chance that Haskins brings McLaurin down a little bit than the other way around. Um, <clears throat> but that being said, I think you should keep your eye on him. In fact, I'm going to say this. I think you should keep your eye on this entire team. Because I think this is a team um, that going into the season is just going to be looking for playmakers and looking for guys to play and role players. Because they the guys they drafted are actually kind of interesting. Um, there's two guys I'm actually really interested in as far as watching how they end up using them this season. This is more for like if you're in a dynasty league or if you're in like a keeper league where you get to keep a bunch of players or something along those lines and redraft. You can probably ignore these guys I'm about to talk about, but um, they their draft was a lot more interesting than I initially had given them credit for it. I'm looking into it more. Um, but as far as quarterbacks go, there is a very real chance Kyle Allen becomes the starter. I mean, when Ron Rivera came in, I think the first move they made was to get Kyle Allen. And if you remember last season, he put Kyle Allen in over Cam Newton, and it was a big deal. And a lot of people were saying, oh, Kyle Allen needs to stay in over Cam Newton. And they ended up being right because I think Cam was hurt like all season. So it only makes sense. But at the time, people were speculating that Cam had lost it and Kyle Allen was playing so well and he needs to be the starter and this and that. And I don't think Kyle Allen's that good. Um, I think Ron Rivera likes him. I think he's trustworthy. I think Rivera knows he can fall back on him need, if need be. But I think they're going to give Haskins a chance to be the starter. Um, and it's just going to have to be a wait and see what's happening in Washington before we make any real decisions. It's hard to say what's going to happen. Kyle Allen is a decent quarterback. I think that's why they got him. They were able to win some games in Carolina. Uh, he had, a, I think he had a four touchdown game one, one week. Um, 
he's not a fantasy guy you want on your team. You don't want to rush out and make sure you have Kyle Allen on your bench. But um, as far as real life football goes, he's a he's he can be an important piece. Like he can win games for you. He's a um, he's okay. But I think I think they're going to give Haskins Dwayne Haskins the starting role, which says a lot about Kyle Allen to me. Um, they seem a little bit more potential in Haskins, but if Haskins starts to falter, I think you could pretty quickly see Kyle Allen come in and give these guys a chance because this roster, like this depth chart, I'm looking at it and I'm this is like this is just rife. It is a hodgepodge of names and roles and guys who do different things and guys who were drafted for different reasons and very interesting weird things happening at the tight end position and we're gonna get into this, but. Um, this is a much more interesting team than I had originally thought coming into this season because they were so bad last year that I just thought, ah, we don't want to pay attention to Washington. But we should. I think we should, especially if you're in a dynasty league. Um, just keep your eye on a couple of these guys. I will mention first, Terry McLaurin um, is the man. Scary Terry uh, had 919 yards and seven touchdowns last season, which was awesome for a rookie. Um, and I think he's their top guy. I don't see anybody else on this team um that's gonna be a threat to even be a more of an offensive force than him um i think he's their guy he's their build the offense around this guy guy if that makes any sense um i think terry mclaurin is awesome i think he is potentially a an elite wide receiver his skill set just melds together very very well and if Haskins does have this, you know, big accurate arm, I can see big things happening for him. I can easily see him going over a thousand yards this season with eh, seven touchdowns. Is probably about right. I wouldn't see much more than that unless he breaks away. He does have the speed and the hands to do it, but um, I'd peg him for about seven touchdowns and maybe like eleven hundred yards. Um, be my guess. I don't like projections because they're completely impossible to guess, and <laughs> people get them so wrong all the time. There's just no way to know, but. Um, you can use stats to look at that and say, he's probably going to be somewhere in that vicinity, maybe a little bit better, maybe a little bit of an improvement. Um, so long because they know what he is now, they know who he is now, they know what he can do. And I think building the offense around him is the move for this team, for the Washington football team. Um, the other guy we're going to mention really quick, not that I think he's going to be super relevant in redraft. Uh, I don't think he's going to be super relevant in non-PPR, but if you play in a PPR league, um, Steve Sims Jr., you should uh, keep in the back of your mind for the end of your draft. Um, the last three games of their season last year, he averaged 10 targets. Now, that's only 63 yards, but I think he scored at least one touchdown in all three of those games. Um, he reminds me of Jameson Crowder, to be honest with you. He's like kind of a poor man's Jameson Crowder with Haskins thrown in the ball, so... Take that for what you will, but if you play in a PPR league, you can probably get him dead fucking last. Um, and he might produce wide receiver three, possibly wide receiver two numbers for you in a PPR league. Um, he's an interesting. He's interesting. I would, I would take a chance on him in a PPR league. I would take a flyer on him. Um, he's not going to get you a whole lot of yards, but he's going to. He looks like he might catch a lot of balls, and if they use him around the end zone, he's going to probably be valuable for you in PPR. Um, the next receiver is my very favorite name in all of the draft. Andy Antonio Gandy Golden, uh, drafted out of Liberty, tiny little school. Um, 
No one's talking about him, and I get why, because of this team and what I, all the things I said before about the quarterback play, they have a new coach, and all this uh, off-season things with the owner apparently is like sexually assaulting people, and or maybe not him, but he's there. his staff is being accused of it. Maybe it's not him exactly, but they're embroiled in a whole um, thing with their name and their staff, and their the whole thing looks bad for them, but... Um, a lot of some of these guys are getting overlooked, and I think Antonio Gandy Golden, this guy has some potential. Um, this is an interesting draft pick by them. I think they drafted him in the fourth round, um, which isn't super high, but I think they probably uh, waited that long because they knew they could have. I think they did that with two guys. The next guy we're going to talk about too, but this guy in particular caught my eye. If you watch his highlight reel from Liberty, the guy's got hands. The guy can catch the football. His catch radius and his hands combined are awesome um he's one of those guys that could make a quarterback look a little bit better um he played with awful quarterback play i think they said only 61 percent i think i read of his the passes thrown to him were considered catchable um and he ended up catching a lot of them uh which is which is interesting um he's a big dude he's 6'4 223 at wide receiver that easily makes him, I think, the biggest receiver on this team, um, which I know is cliche, but it is important. The big possession guy um, is super important in the NFL and real-life football, and it can translate to fantasy. Um, and he's pretty raw. His talent, I mean, his uh, his route running is raw, but it seems like it can be worked on according to his profile. And he also was scouted that his speed isn't amazing, but it's not something that he relies on either for success. So it's he's kind of an interesting... Uh, he's an interesting collection of talent here. Like, he's got different aspects of his game that could very well turn out to be positive for the NFL. Um, is it going to be this season? I don't know. That's the only thing about him that I'm a little bit skeptical on is he seems like such a raw talent, and because he came from Liberty... Not like a big name school. Who knows what his um, the kind of talent he was playing against? So I don't know if his his skill set will translate to the NFL. Um, but I think had he gone to a bigger school, I think there's a good potential he could have got drafted a lot earlier than the fourth round. I think the fourth round is even maybe a reach for a guy that no one was talking about really at all. Um, he just seems like the kind of guy that this team specifically wanted him, and I think it's because his strengths sort of line up with Haskins' strengths. And I think they're going to try to give this guy some targets that he can actually hit, if that makes any sense. I think they're realistically trying to give a guy like Dwayne Haskins, Haskins a target that he can realistically throw the ball to and expect to get caught. And if the guy with a, a huge guy with great hands and a giant catch radius, I mean, that's like it's like throwing it's like throwing a football into a giant you know baseball glove. That's exactly what you want, right? Um, so if his skill set can translate, I mean, this guy is very interesting for the team in real life. Um, I don't think 2020 is going to be a year you need to have him on your team unless you play in like a sort of a deeper dynasty league. Like I would grab him late on in drafts and deep dynasty leagues. Um, I just think he looks a lot more awesome and a lot more capable than he's getting any kind of credit for. Um, but as far as, as redraft and for this season, I don't think i think his 
best chance. He's probably going to score some touchdowns, I think, just because of his skill set and his size. He might be a red zone target. Um, and like I said before, this team seems like they're looking for role players. They seem like they're looking for playmakers. And I think they're going to give all these guys a chance to do this. Um, so I can see this guy catching a few touchdowns. I don't know how many snaps he's going to get. I don't know how raw he is. Um, but they're definitely going to take a look at him, I think, at an NFL level. And he could he could get to a point where he's like a flex guy um, when they face a weak offense like or a weak defense. I mean, like he could get to that point, I think, this year. And I think a couple years down the line, he could end up being much more than that, um, depending on you know how his improvement shakes out over the course of the year. And a lot of that depends on the quarterback as well. Um, if he's got a quarterback that can get him the ball and work with him, he might be a lot more than that, but maybe not this season. Um, the other guy who's a pass catcher, we'll go on to the running backs after this, but the other guy who um, is going to catch some passes this season um, is a tight end, and it's not Jeremy Sprinkle. Um, God, I love that name. Some of the names on this team are like, Including the team name this is like this is like so fun to talk about this team. Uh, Jeremy Sprinkle uh, didn't really do a whole hell of a lot of anything last season. Um, I think he was behind Jordan Reed and Vernon Davis, so he it's not like he had a whole lot of chances. I think he only had like forty some targets. Um, and I think they're going to give him the first chance. I think he's going to get the first shot at being the tight end, uh, the main starting tight end for Washington. Um, and we'll see what he can do. If he can step up and he can make some plays, he'll probably stay the tight end. Um, but there's a super like off the deep end sleeper here uh, that is interesting how they acquired him. It's Thaddeus Moss. He plays tight end. Um, he's Randy Moss's son, which I don't know why I find that interesting, but I find that interesting. Um, and I've read multiple reports saying they could have drafted him in the fourth or sixth round and people probably wouldn't have thought twice, but he didn't work out at all at the combine, I guess. Um, my guess is because of COVID stuff. Um, people don't feel comfortable and that's totally fine, but I don't think it had anything to do with his, um, ability or anything like that. Um, I think that he is a very interesting guy that you definitely do not have to draft. I'm not saying go out and draft this guy, but definitely watch him because if Sprinkle doesn't, um, pan out, I think Thaddeus Moss is going to be given a shot at making some plays for Washington. Um, he's a... He's smaller for a tight end. I think he's 6'2", 250. So he's a thick dude, but he's not very tall um, at tight end. And so what that says to me is he's probably not going to block all that much. He's probably brought there to catch passes. Um, and how they got him is they let him basically go undrafted, which was interesting, which to me says they maybe weren't all that interested in him. But they immediately turned around and signed him as an undrafted free agent. Um which says to me they did want him. They just weren't really to pay a draft pick for him. So maybe they specifically wanted that guy. I know Ron Rivera has turned that type of player um, into somebody relevant in the past. He He's not like a whisperer or anything, but um, Ron Rivera is a very interesting coach. And this is a team that is in desperate need of a tight end. Uh, there's a big gaping hole at the position in this team. And I don't think Thaddeus Mossel is brought into um, block anybody. I don't think he's big enough to do that um, on a regular basis. I don't think he's really big enough to play offensive line very often. So I think he was brought in to catch some passes, and we might see two tight ends set here. Um, that might also help um, Haskins. I, I mean, I could see, you know, 
essentially Terry McLaurin running around out there with, and then they got both tight ends, and then one of these like bazillion running backs they've got going on, which is the whole next mess of players we're going to get to. But um, keep your eye on Thaddeus Moss. I'm going to say that right now. He's he's my off the deep end, way too deep. Don't even bother. Just put him on your watch list and check in every once in a while. Just see what he's looking like. Um, but I think he was brought in to, to catch some passes. I, I think that's why they got him. Um, I don't know how many passes there will be for him to catch. I don't think there's any way in hell that Haskins supports um, McLaurin, Sims, Golden, and a tight end. I don't think that can possibly happen. I think it's going to be McLaurin and maybe maybe one of these other guys. Maybe. I think it's probably what you're looking at. Uh, my whole point of getting kind of deep into the Washington football team um, depth chart is I think there's actually a lot more interesting players on here than people are considering. Um, okay. Now, to the biggest mess in all of the NFL in the backfield is um, the Washington football team's running back situation is completely insane. Um, I think a lot of these guys, they're known names. I don't think they're all going to make the team. This is That would just be insane. One, two, three, four, five, six guys. I don't see a six-headed monster in the backfield. I just don't see it. It's not how the NFL works. I know everybody's going more and more and more committee, but I would even be shocked if it was four. Um, of these guys, and I think we can get a good idea of who is going to end up being on the team. Um, I think Darius Geis has the best chance of being the lead back. Um, his roster spot is pretty much a lock at this point. Um, they've been wanting him out there for a long time, but injuries have just derailed him. Um, but last season, he had moments of like, holy shit, this guy can play. Um, he wants it really bad, it seems like, in his interviews and his little what i guess you call him hype videos or whatever and he's uh he's my pick to be their top guy for sure um i think you can i mean the only thing is any of these guys i don't really see him getting higher than mid to high end rb2 value off this team i don't think you're going to get an rb1 from any of these guys but i think if you're going to pick one darius guys is by far your best bet um at running back for washington um Bryce Love is in, well. Hold on, let me back up a little bit. Adrian Peterson was kind of their guy last season. It was between him and Geis, and I just don't see Peterson really having um, all that much of a role so long as Geis is on the field. Um, he might replace him for first and second downs, but I, I just don't see Adrian Peterson. Um, he'll make the team probably. I don't think he's going to get cut or anything like that. The guy is just a beast um, of a human. He's awesome and. I just don't see him. I think he's going to get surpassed. I think this will be his last, um, not his last season, but he's just on his way out, not on his way in. Um, he's got all kinds of all kinds of competition here. Um, the other super interesting guy is Bryce Love. Um, talented, super athlete, um, sort of freak type guy that they drafted, I believe, in 2018, who has yet to take a snap. Um, in Washington, and it's because he's got really gnarly injuries. I actually feel really bad for the guy. Um, but if he can prove that his acceleration, his burst are still there, I can see this guy playing a significant role on the team. I don't think he's going to surpass Darius Geis because I think Geis is a little bit more well-rounded, and I think Geis offers more. Um, but Bryce Love's definitely going to get a shot, I think, at least in training camp and possibly more than that. Um and I think he can probably overpass Peterson as far as the backup to Geis or the like the the second first down back kind of guy. Um, 
I guess I should say one of the reasons I like Darius Guy so much for this team is he, I think he's the only guy that has legitimate three down potential out of everybody here. Um, so that's why I'm so high on him as far as this entire list goes. But um, Bryce Love is kind of interesting. If something were to happen to Darius Geis, he would be my very first thought as to who's going to get carries um, in Washington. And um, moving on down the list of all these guys, J.D. McKissick is also there. Um, pretty much I think he's kind of been relegated to like a third down pass catching type of role, um, which they used to use. Um, and what's his name? Chris Thompson, I believe. They used, that's, that's a prominent role there. And while I think Geis is capable of playing that and also being their main running back, McKissick is definitely an interesting guy as far as a pass catcher. I don't know if he offers a whole lot more than that. And honestly, I don't know if he's going to make the team with all these other guys because I think the next guy I'm going to talk about, Antonio Gibson, was brought in to do exactly that. Um, he was drafted, I think, 66th overall, um, which is kind of high for a guy like him because he's not really – he's an offensive weapon, meaning essentially he's like a super athlete, and they'll just figure it out later as to what they're going to do with him. Um, he had pretty impressive catching ability in college, um, and I think that's why they brought him in. I think they're going to move him all over the field. He's going to run out of the backfield. He'll get carries. I don't think it's going to be that many carries, but he'll get some carries. Uh, but I think mainly they brought him there to catch passes. Um, and then Peyton Barber, love the guy, love his work ethic, love the blue-collar aspect of this guy, Peyton Barber, but I don't see him surpassing any of these guys as far as the starter goes. Uh, I will say this about Peyton Barber, though, not really fantasy-relevant, but he remained the starter in Tampa Bay for a lot longer than you would think that he would have. And I think it's because he's smart, and I think he knows how to play running back, and I think he makes the right decision, and he doesn't fumble, and he's a good blocker. Um, there's, like, all these intangible aspects of his game that um, I think are the reason why he maintained the starter position for so long. And I think he's somebody that coaches probably love. So I can actually see him making the team and sort of being a backup um, or, you know, a change of pace, like if guys needs to come out or, you know, if – He's not going to catch any passes, but he might come in, run some into the goal line, like a vulture type situation, or like a you know you got to you have to get that one yard. He might be able to do that. Um, I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant, but I think he might get to the team and he might take away from the you know the fantasy value of some of these other guys um, as the season moves forward. Um, I could see three of them maybe having a role. And like I said, I don't think any of them are going to get higher than RB2. And guys, that's even kind of a long shot for me. That would be like an awesome finish for him. If he finishes a legit RB2, that would be a really good sign for him. Um, Gibson, if you're in a PPR league, you might want to take a look at him super, super late um, or be one of those guys you just kind of watch as the season progresses. Because um, like I said, I think the overall theme of the Washington football team is to um, find who their playmakers are going to be. They're clearly rebuilding. This is clearly like we're going to figure this out as we go. Um, and they're going to give a lot of guys a lot of chances to show that they are that guy. And that's what they're going to uh, – I think that's what they're going to do. I think that's going to be the focus of this team. I don't think they're expecting to win a whole lot. I think they're just going to take a look at who – they got a new coach and they got a new roster and they got a new name and they got a new everything. And I think they're going to take this season to sort of figure out what they got outside of Terry McLaurin, basically, and Darius Geis, probably. Um, so there it is. There is my fantasy take on the NFC East. Um, hope you guys enjoyed that. 
Um, hopefully I'll try to put one out a little sooner. Sorry. Um, things got a little hectic in real life, uh, but I was able to get back and do this. So enjoy your night and cheers. I'll talk to you guys next episode. Later.